today's show we will of course be discussing the games that we've played we're going to be talking about the GameStop stock fiasco we're going to be talking about cyberpunk 2077 news but not nudes wink google shuts down first party stadia studios warner brothers patented shadow of wars nemesis system and we'll be having a steam discovery queue timestamps to be in the show notes following their respective topics Good evening. Hello. 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 I'm in like a weird mood. I don't know why. I think I'm on like the right. I'm on the right. I'm on. It's it's not. I'm on the like just the perfect precipice of tired and like over caffeinated. Oh, you've hit the bomber curve. Uh, Yes. And I'm going to crash one way or the other by the end of the show. Developers, 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 developers. Developers, developers, developers. Just sweaty, just sweating everywhere. I'm fat, so that works. Just put me under some lights and like make me jump around on the stage. Uh, but, yeah, but you I'll need, right uh, but you need, uh, you know, far less hair. Uh, I mean, if you paid me to do this, I would shave. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you wouldn't even have to pay me a lot. Uh, okay, here's a uh, hundred shares in a soybean conglomerate in uh, <laughs> conglomerate the Philippines. In the Philippines. Yes. Oh my god, we didn't have Craig running for that discussion either. Yeah. It's worth 15 cents. It's worth... Total. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. The stock's money is fake. Nothing is real. The economy's all bullshit. Everything you know is wrong. I owned 100 shares in a soybean conglomerate earlier today. <laughs> Just for shits and giggles, because it was like... It less than it was like eight cents a share or something. It was crazy. Anyways, the, we're it, this twenty twenty one baby. It's a wild ride, and it's we're we're still in the the early days. February. I can't believe it's February already. Yeah, that's like one of those old old person things to say. Like I can't believe it's already February. Well, to be it fair, you had like two yesterday. weeks away from me, so that uh, probably helped. That's. Yeah, in some ways, it it really did, because, like, this is one... I don't really mark the passage of time by a calendar. I mark it by events. Oh, same. And it's like, like this is one of the the things that marks the passing of a week for me. It's like, we do the show. Like, that's one of the events that marks the passage of time. And we didn't do the show for two weeks. So it's like, well, it's a weird time skip. I (laughs) time-traveled. Oh, no, it's still the bad timeline. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're locked into that one unless we figure out uh, dimensional travel. Oh, well, simple. Or maybe time travel. Time travel uh, might okay, also okay. be interdimensional travel. Okay, here's what we do: we go back in time and we make sure the Florida election goes in Al Gore's favor. Okay, that that seems to be the tipping point, doesn't it? How do we do that? Tell Al Gore not to give up because he would have won. Right. How do we convince him to do that? Show him the How bad future. So, uh, point to Trump. If you give up, he becomes president in <laughs> in 15 years. Oh. oh, Jesus. Also, get rid of the Electoral College now. This it, it only gets worse from here. Oh, boy. 
like two minutes. We're off the rails. <laughs> we're trying to to rewrite history by making Al Gore become president instead of W. Yeah, W probably would be fun to hang out with uh, on uh, leadership during a crisis. Yes, I I, I do have to say because the the week you know we didn't record after the the week of the inauguration. I I I watched the inauguration and you could just see his smile like that that crate for as as hmm, I'm going to say as for uh complicated of of like a negative person as as George W Bush is that man has got an infectious childlike smile and even behind his mask like whenever he went to hug Michelle Obama it was like you could just see that big smile and I'm like oh you I see how you won an election because you're certainly not a good leader, but man, you've got a great smile. Should have been like an elderly male model. I would I would have bought some Fruit of the Loom underwear if George W. Bush was the one holding all of the pears or whatever. Pears? You'd want him wearing it. Well, yeah. But no, you know the guy, it's, it's like, I think it's Fruit of the Loom. There's a guy who's like it looks like he's holding all of these like pears or something. I I mean they could be tennis balls. They're like ground green things. You are aware I don't really watch a lot of television, right? Uh, maybe it's Haynes. Yeah, no, I know. But this isn't even a commercial. Like I've seen it in stores in the the Oh, because the I go to a lot of stores right now. You go to stores more than I do or have. Yeah, I but mean, maybe not right now, but Yeah, but a lot of that is Kroger. Or, well, Goodwill for just a zany adventure of getting random neat stuff. Most of my stuff I buy online these days. It's not that you can blame me yeah. there. No, I'm looking for this. I can't find it. Although typing uh, underwear man <laughs> gives you some interesting images. Oh, really? I mean, it's just men wearing underwear with really big crotch bulges. Which, I mean, you know. Oh, that's, go- that's that going in the folder, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe it's for the limb. I don't know. I'm not going to spend very much time. Man, holding pears. I don't you know. You must have I, the strangest search history. <laughs> I bet. For anyone out there listening, if you know what I'm talking about, it's the black guy who's like on, I want to say it's Haynes or maybe Fruit of the Loom. And he's like, you can see him in like profile and he's holding just like an armful of, I think they're pears. They could be... I don't know, apples, like green apples. And he's like dropping them. And it's like the look on his face is like, oh no, I dropped my fruit. I've seen the, I've seen the meme, I think. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you, you probably know what I'm talking about. And that was originally an underwear ad or a t-shirt ad. Fuck. I don't know. Nothing is real. The economy's made up. Nothing matters. We're all hurtling through space at a kajillion miles an hour. Oh, or at least that's what NASA wants you to think. Dun dun dun! Oh, oh my God! Let's uh, let's. Yeah. Hey, Rage! Well, well, NASA, oh. NASA's just trying to hide the fact that the Jews launched a space laser to uh, start oh wildfires. God. That's both like equal parts hilarious, stupid, and dangerous. That a politician is saying that there was a Jewish space laser that started a wildfire. Oh my god. Now, now, okay, now question. Question. Answer? Is it crazier her talking about Jewish space lasers or another politician that hopefully will remain nameless 
that says that you should just wreck the forest, the floor of the forest, so that the wildfires won't spread. What's the question? Which one is cr- uh, crazier? The space laser. Let's. I mean, the other one is just ignorant. It's stupid and ignorant. This, the Jewish space laser is crazy. Uh, and don't forget anti-Semitic, because, right? Anti, yes, and anti-Semitic. But, Have you ever seen the conspiracy theorist lady on YouTube who's got, like, a, a ranking system? I feel like we've had this conversation before. Maybe we have. I don't think so. She's got, so. like, a ranking. Okay, it was, like, a TikTok thing, and then she went and made a YouTube video or a couple of YouTube videos that, like, fully explained the chart. And it's, like, ranging from, like, harmless, fun conspiracy theories, like Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster... And it goes to, like, real conspiracy theories we found out were true, like MK Ultra, and then down to, like, crazy stuff. And, and like, one of them is called, like, the anti-Semitic point of no return. <laughs> is it, like, the craziest end of the conspiracy theory spectrum? So Yeah, I- I've seen the chart, but I haven't seen the video that accompanies it. She's great. I love her. I love her energy. She's, like, 22 or something like that, and she's just like, fuck it, I don't care. I'm a Zoomer. The world's going to end soon. Fuck yeah, this. it's not like, like I could, affo- could afford a home. Yeah. One of my favorite alt... I don't I don't know if he's a millennial. I don't know how old he is, but the guy who played Carl on the Walking Dead TV show, I don't know if he's a millennial or a Zoomer, but somebody had saw uh, or posted the thing that was like, hey, I saw that you died. And uh, it, was, it was like a tweet. And he was like, oh, God, no, but I wish. <laughs> it's like, yeah... I feel you, man. Carl! He was a Twitch streamer for a while. I don't know if he still is, but it, it, he he, tra- he was he was streaming the Vigi games on Twitch when The Walking Dead was a lot more popular. The more you know. That's But that's a Twitch. That's video games. Hey, Rage. What, uh, <laughs> tell us about the video games uh, that you desperately played. Desperately seeking a segue from this, aren't you? As a good video games man... Tell us about the video games you played this well, week. Well, I only have one I really want to talk about. I have a couple that's kind of on the back burner. Uh, I have been playing the PC Part Picker uh, website, and I have parts <laughs> inbound. Woo! So it depends on when things show up. It looks like the case is going to be the last thing that shows up, so we'll see when that uh, actually gets here, right? Yeah. But yeah, I sunk the money into that, so finally got that one going, right? That's only uh, yeah. been in the works for ages, but then again, you know, it seems like every time you got the money, you know, something happens. So, so I went ahead and bought it before something happens. Say lovey. So, in the meantime, I'm not going to be playing a lot on PC because it doesn't make a lot of sense to get everything going and then have to transition everything over. So, I'm going to be on. Well, I'm, I should say I guess I'm continuing my kind of PC gaming holiday using the Switch because right. Yeah. So, I guess uh, a few weeks ago, I finally got Mario Odyssey on about as good a sale as you're going to get with a Nintendo game, per- to be perfectly honest. Uh, so, I picked up uh, that from Walmart, and I've been playing on it for the last uh, couple weeks, uh, and actually beat the main story of it. Uh, there's a lot of post-game stuff that I haven't actually gotten to yet, but I, I can talk a fair bit about this, so... Mario Odyssey, the, well, I guess technically the uh, the newest of the Mario series. I mean, how do you factor in all the re-releases that they do, right? Because yeah. they have the 
Wii U Mario 3D World or 3D Land. There's 3D Land and 3D World, and one was on the Wii U that had cats, and one was at the one I played on the 3DS. And the two titles are so damn close, they're interchangeable. And they're completely different games. Because Nintendo is bad at naming things almost as bad as Microsoft. Not quite, but close. <laughs> so, Mario Odyssey is a sort of sandbox platformer where, uh, uh, true to kind of the 3D, or and not the 3D land or 3D world or whatever the one on the 3DS is, and I realize I'm saying 3D a lot there, but work with me here. It's it's Nintendo's fault, not mine. Right. Uh, it takes a more open world approach where essentially it's a lot of little challenges to find power moons to be able to power up your ship, the Odyssey, to travel from uh, uh, kingdom to kingdom to chase down Bowser because, shocker, he's kidnapped Princess Peach. But this time, instead of just you know, banging her, He's trying to make an honest princess out of her and trying to marry her. So he's off to different kingdoms stealing parts for this grand wedding that he's going to hold. All right. It, yeah. It's a silly premise. And that's kind of the thing is that Mario has always had a little bit of humor about it. But this one, it feels like they turned uh, the humor up to 11. Yeah, you know, they've really worked on their timing. So like certain boss battles, whenever they're exploding, it has that like comedic pause and then they explode. Or... Uh, uh, whenever Mario, uh, you know, gets the shit kicked out of him, uh, it's uh, he'll do the Looney Tunes hover in the air for a moment, or yeah, you know, it, it felt like they leaned more on kind of a almost a childish uh, 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 feel for it to drive up some slapstick humor. So, and this is on top of kind of some dark tones because. Uh, the entire premise of this is that Mario has no power-ups whatsoever in this game, all right? Uh, the, which kind of makes the idea of the question box kind of redundant because, yeah, it's either coins or a very rare case, a health up to be able to get some more hit points because Mario runs on the hit point system in this game, similar to uh, uh, Mario 64, where you have a power meter that's segmented. And you take a hit and it, you lose some power on it, that sort of thing. Right. Well, the idea behind this game is that instead of power-ups, uh, you could throw your companion Cappy, which in the opening cutscene, Mario's iconic hat gets destroyed, and uh, this uh, Cap creature uh, turns into Mario's Cap to help him re uh, save his sister, who Bowser's also kidnapped, to uh, to serve as the tier for... Princess Peach, uh, wet, Peach's wedding outfit, okay? Mm -hmm. And you're able to possess uh, really anything you throw your cap on. And they go pretty crazy with this. Like, pretty early on, you're possessing a T-Rex with a giant Mario hat on and mustache. Uh, right. Uh, then there's some more, you know, kind of fitting ones like a frog. So you get like a super jump. Uh, you could possess Goombas. And each one has their own uh, uh, pluses and uh, uh, pros and cons. So, you know, like Goombas move slower. Uh, and uh, But if you're on an ice world, which, of course, there's the ice king because there always is the, sh the, the ice level, right? Uh, because they move slowly and have big feet, they don't slide around. Uh, if you possess something that flies, you can fly around. That sort of thing. 
Well, you know, the, you know, looking at it, it's like, wow, Mario's you know, kind of going all full possession. It's kind of dark whenever you sit and think about it. And then you get to New Donk City, where there's realistic-esque humans, and it's like, what the hell is Mario? He's like up to their knee. Right? <laughs> yeah. And he looks like a piece of chewed bubble gum compared to realistic humans. What is he? Is he just the cat? <laughs> Mario's a very interesting little fellow. Uh, but uh, overall, I-, I did enjoy myself with this. I will say that the game is pretty easy up into, uh, yeah, like the last couple kingdoms. And never mind the fact that, yeah, they use the term kingdom pretty loosely in this game. Pretty much any world is a kingdom. Never mind the fact that it's just a city with a mayor, right? Right. And it's not till then they really start to up the difficulty, uh, not counting some uh, random uh, challenges that you might find, because every uh, uh, world acts like a hub. Oh, as I do have my kit. Uh, It works as a hub for, like, many challenges, uh, trying to find things, as well as the overarching storyline of trying to prevent Bowser from uh, gathering things and chasing him down to try to save uh, Tierra and Peach. So, like... uh, you encounter his wedding planners and no i'm not joking that's this group of rabbits that you have to fight actually several times over the course of the game there's four of them and each time you fight one of them and i think you fight each one of them twice then you fight them all again in a combined battle and then there's a challenge tower that i've actually only recently unlocked that you have to fight them all in sequence with uh uh really no uh, time to go heal in between. Yeah. And they're actually pretty tough uh, on their own. Uh, it's a <clears> lot of uh, pattern recognition and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a Mario ba- uh, boss battle. So, you know, there's, it's one of the toughest aspects of the game, actually. And having to fight four in a row whenever you have three hits total is kind of tough. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I, I do recognize them from a YouTube video I watched. Uh, by the 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 YouTuber's name is Joseph Anderson. He's done the I think he's most famously known for doing the massive like five hour long Witcher analysis and Witcher Two analysis, like five hours per video, not five hours total. So ten hours of Witcher content, um, and he's got a two hour video about Super Mario Odyssey. So I'm familiar with most of the stuff you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I haven't actually because I've that. seen I've, it. I've I only played I've it. only played it. So yeah. Uh. I'm going to send you a link. Uh, I will say that them going to some of the 2D stuff for uh, some of these like mini challenges and in some areas to progress through the world uh, is actually a really neat kind of like nod to uh, the older games. It, uh, uh, this is going to sound crazy, okay? But this, if this was like the final full-on Mario platformer and they retired the character, it would feel kind of like going on on the high note, you know? Where it's a lot of looking back at the character, looking back at the origins. It's like, uh, there's a, uh, the, the, the mayor of, uh, New Donk City, uh, the Metro Kingdom, quote unquote, is Pauline. Mm-hmm. And she talks about the time that she was kidnapped by a giant ape and Mario was there to help her. Referring, In Donkey Kong. Yeah, referring to Donkey Kong. And you could actually get the Donkey Kong outfit. Which is the uh, you know the older, more pale version of what Mario wears these days. You know, kind of a brownish uh, uh, 
tone to uh, the overalls. Yeah. And there's a lot of like little nods to that. Like uh, you can uh, get, uh, uh, you can change your outfit pretty much at will. Uh, going to uh, one of a couple places uh, 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 in the level, either back at the Odyssey or at the store. Uh, and, uh, but I use store as an in in-game store, using in-game currency, not you know, microtransaction bullshit. So, and in some places you have to wear something certain to uh, in order to progress, uh, to get a, a, you know, a side objective or that sort of thing. Like... Uh, you have to look like your own vacation in one area to be able to go uh uh into this one room to be able to get a couple uh uh, uh power moons that sort of thing but outside of that you could do whatever you want to have your character appear how you want and there's outfits that refer to so much of the mario uh well uh, history you know there's uh mario maker outfits there's one that's uh, Mario Paint. Uh, there's one that uh, is like one of the old Mario Kart uh, outfits. That, that's why I was, I was saying that it feels almost like a swan song for the series. And I know it's long. There's no way that this is the last Mario game. But at the same time, it feels like it could be, you know? Yeah. But they're not yeah, letting Mario go out on uh, this. Because, yeah, there's far too much money to be had, right? Oh, yeah. There's... For for the uh, probably the long term future, there's like practically infinite money to be made yeah. from this uh, that Mario guy. He's going places. Yeah, yeah, usually the same places. In indeed, uh, so, over and over and over yeah. again, and he just brings new friends. Yeah, I will say that uh, sometimes. Uh, okay, so I haven't really played a full 3D console Mario in quite a while, but there's actually a lot of side stuff that you could do as well. There's a quite a few mini games. There's uh, free running, which is essentially a race against uh, uh, Koopa Troopas, or who are actually surprisingly fast, and uh, there's different ones that c- take different routes, and you have to race through the uh, area. So, like, uh, the first one I hit was in the final level, or the final level, I'll use that in Solid Quest, in quotes, and, which I'll get to in a little bit. And we'll, we'll get into a little bit of spoiler territory for the story, because there actually is a bit of a story here. Uh, uh, but, you know, having to figure out kind of how to beat them, there's a hide-and-seek, uh, minigame that's played online where you had a balloon, and play, and other players have to try to find it, uh, online. Basically, you hide it, and then other players try to find where you hit it in, uh, in a certain time frame. Uh, there's, um, a jump rip minigame, there's, uh a uh, follow the path minigame which doesn't sound too exciting but it's a uh, you're given a shape on the ground to have to follow a a dotted line but after uh, a few seconds it disappears and it gives you points based on how accurately you followed it which could get really tall uh, really tough uh there's a picture matching game where you have to recreate the expression on mario's face uh, in this John uh, picture, uh, using different parts of uh, uh, Mario's face, you know, different eyes, uh, my, uh, figure out how his mustache was, that sort of thing. And the, uh, but you know, the uh, the first version, it just removes the facial features, and you know, you're putting it on a blank face, and once you place something, it disappears as well. The second one, 
the entire thing goes away and you're just left with a silhouette. <laughs> so actually pretty damn difficult. Yeah. And that's on top of still having a lot of power moons to, uh, to find. So um, depending on the world, uh, most of them have 100 to find. I think the total is just shy of 1,999, if I recall correctly. And you only have to really find half to be able to get to the real final stage. So you beat the game, okay? We're going to go into spoiler territory. Uh, you break up uh, Bowser's uh, wedding on the moon, because of course, right? Of course. And you actually possess Bowser for a while for this wild uh, you know, escape scene. And it's the most fun I had with that, uh, with it. I mean, it was this uh, kind of crazy, uh, you know, everything's going to hell. And you got to get out there before the entire moon base explodes for reasons, right? Yeah. Um, and all this while carrying Peach on your shoulder. <laughs> and she's looking terribly, terribly confused. Well, you get out of there and you activate some things that were in the levels previously that you couldn't... Uh, uh, access, you know, uh, you know, part of the post-game content. Uh, and then the end cutscene. And I didn't realize I was jumping into such a controversial ending for a Mario game. Alright? Okay. I, I looked into the game and saw the reviews and knew it was uh, the primary story was going to be pretty short, but a lot of it was going through for many games and really challenges and just collecting stuff, you know, as a quick pick-up-and-play thing, which I was fine with. So, basically, after everything... Bowser finally wakes up after getting conked out in the final battle and getting possessed by Mario and saved in the process and decides, yo, I'm going to propose again <laughs> and, and or propose instead of, yo, just trying to steal her away. Mario gets upset and tries to propose himself and Peach just looks terribly confused, gets angry at both of them and starts uh, stomping off and and this breaks poor Bowser's heart. He's there crying while Mario's patting him on the back. Like, or, 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 I'm sorry, man. Uh, so, yep, for uh, carding on Tuesday, right? Right. And then Peach steals the Odyssey, the airship hat thing that you've been flying around this entire time, and nearly leaves Mario on the damn moon. And actually leaves Bowser behind now that I think about it. So Bowser's stuck on the moon. So, that wizard came from the moon. It's just kind of, it felt weird, you know? Yeah, that sounds weird. I didn't know about the ending. Yeah, it just, it, 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 I realized that there's uh, two other endings that I'll eventually unlock by going through the Hidden Kingdoms, which is unlocked by getting additional power moons after finishing the main story. So each world, as you go through the first time, only has so many power moons that are accessible. Then, whenever you complete the story, it unlocks more uh, through uh, chunks of moon that had fallen from the sky that you could activate to spread another 25 or so, depending on the kingdom, of course, across, the king uh, across it, on top of having access to other areas as well, which also gives uh, more access to different power moons as well. And after you collect so many, you unlock the dark side of the moon, which is the uh, battle tower that I talked about, having to fight the four primary mini-bosses, or four primary uh, level bosses again, uh, in succession, without uh, uh, healing at all. <clears throat> and then there's yeah. another one that's 
the darkest side of the moon. Uh, that I don't know what's going to go on there, but I think it's was going to going to be another fight with Bowser, but you know, significantly tougher. Which the Bowser fight actually was fairly difficult on this one. There was a lot of timing involved that uh, that they would throw a, a a wrench into things. So the uh, uh, it basically was the best way I could describe it is Bowser kind of learning from his mistakes. It would learn to block a, a bunch of hits to try to counterattack. And if you get caught up in your own rhythm, uh, you'd be in serious trouble, which, you know, I got caught up in my own rhythm a couple of times. But there was also a lot of, you know, flashy uh, things going on as well. But yeah, it does feel like a really good Mario game. I'm not sure if I would call it the best Mario game I've played. I still honestly think I like 3D Land, 3D World, uh, the 3DS one a bit better, yeah. but it's also a more traditional Mario game. It's, uh, and I'm just wanting, I just want to double check. Uh, uh, okay, Super Mario 3D Land. So 3D World is the Wii U game, which is re-releasing on Switch with a, essentially a short DLC on top of it that's sort of the Mario Odyssey but, uh, sense. Uh, but I think it's just uh, because it was open world and kind of do your own thing. That's kind of both the strength and the weakness of this one, where you're able to go do your own thing. And honestly, you didn't even have to really complete every kingdom because you only had to get so many of the power moons. And if you go do sad things, like you find uh, a warp pipe that leads to a 2D level that may have two or three power or moons in it. Well, that's two or three that you don't have to collect in that particular kingdom. And I think another thing is just kind of the tonal shifts from the different kingdoms. And it felt like a mismatch of uh, uh, art styles that kind of conflicted. So uh, there's one time that he's in, truth be told, the Dark Souls kingdom. Uh, they don't call it that, but it feels like Dark Souls. You know, it's dark, it's gritty, it's, and it doesn't feel like a Mario game. <laughs> and you're fighting a damn dragon, I, I might add. I was going to say, is that the one with the giant dragon? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Having Mario in a city full of realistic humans is just, you know, uncanny valley to the extreme. Uh, him controlling a T-Rex just feels weird, outside of Yoshi, of course. But Yoshi's, you know, too cute to be a T-Rex. Yoshi's special. Yoshi! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just made the, my, my Yoshi, did my Yoshi impression. Yep. Yep, we went there. Yep. But yeah, um, it, it just, like I said, there's just kind of this uh, uncanniness that really wants me not to call this the best Mario game I've played. Uh, but I've had a lot of fun with it, and I still will continue to play it for quite a while because, you know, it's going to be uh, a really good pick-up-and-play game. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be one that I must hold on to. I'll probably sell it on eBay at some point because I, yeah. I did get a physical version. Um. I, you know, I'm not going to ask you to watch or, you know, demand that you watch a two hour video about Super Mario Odyssey, but I would be curious to hear if you have some responses to some of, of Joseph Anderson's comments on the game. Cause it seems like it, some of the things that you were pretty positive about, he was very negative on. So it's interesting to hear the differences. Cause I, I guess I'm just very used to you being much more harsh on games. Well, I, I went this with kind of a more. Uh, knowing what to expect and not having a super, super critical uh, view about it. Because 
you know, it, it's it's a Mario platformer, so there's a certain you know expectation, right? Yeah. And the fact that they did subvert it somewhat with uh, leaning more on humor than they normally do. No, not saying that Mario games, as I'm my kit trying to move my mic a little bit closer. Uh, not saying Mario games is uh, never funny. It's just it, they kind of leaned on it more. They went a little bit more silly. They tried to do, or they, uh, I shouldn't say tried to do, they kind of threw away one of the key defining aspects of Mario, having power-ups and that sort of thing, uh, to this uh, weird possession mechanic, which does work, but it could also be finicky at times, because uh, there's times that, you know, it's trying to figure out, okay, uh, what do I need for this particular puzzle? But there's also times that you can kind of break a puzzle by doing something that uh, works in the universe as well. Like, for example, uh, there was a uh, puzzle, or uh, to, uh, I had to get to the top of this one building, and the way they wanted me to do it was basically uh, uh, find this kind of hidden back alley and just go up this power line uh, as, you know, Spark Mario or whatever. But instead, I found out that, okay, so there's... Uh, a ledge here that I could uh, do wall jumps up to get to. Then I could uh, use this pole to fling myself up to here. It, yeah, kind of taking an odd path instead of the easy one, quote unquote, uh, never mind hidden one, right? Yeah. Uh, to get to this one area to get a few unlocks to progress uh, my post-game uh, content a little bit more. And that's kind of the uh, strength of the game, but like I said, also the weakness that it it's less focused as well. And uh, the fact that also on uh, the Moon Kingdom, they mess with the gravity because it's the moon, right? Yeah. And it makes the game feel very, very, well, floaty. And the, the fact that in the final battle, they actually turn that off to go to normal gravity for whatever reason, uh, trying to explain it away, kind of tells you, you know, just you know, outside of that, it's not as fun to play with, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, I, I, I still don't disagree. I, I still don't agree with yeah, best Mario game ever. You know, because every Mario game is so different from one another that I think it, calling one game uh, the best is a highly subjective thing. And just because one game in particular is newer than the others doesn't necessarily make it better not in the uh, least to be perfectly honest so yeah it, it the mario series of platformers is actually a very interesting one huh yeah it's kind of this loose series of associated games that has the same cast and that's about it especially once they went uh, into the 3d realms huh yeah but yeah i would say it's For worth sure. a check out uh Definitely get it on sale, even though, you know, Nintendo sales aren't exactly a lot. And I would say probably best to get it on physical medium so you can sell it later. Because, whew, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want to hear about Dyson Sphere Program, my game? Uh, I guess. I mean, we talked about <laughs> uh, Mario for a while, so it would be only fair. Yeah. 
I don't think I'll go for that long about Dyson Sphere Program, but uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned this popped up in your Discovery queue last week, and I was already aware of it. I had just misremembered when the launch date was, so I bought it. Uh, I think I bought it during the show last week. Yes, you did. But I bought it, and I have played it. Uh, let me look at Steam. How long have I played it for? Uh, six hours so far. So not as long as I had intended. Only? Um, only six hours. It's got a few problems. I, it's, overall, it's a good start. Um, but it's got a few issues. Number one, English is not the primary language of these developers, and it is not the, uh, it, it definitely needs another translation, uh, pass or two. Um, there is, uh, some English in some in some places, which uh, makes certain things difficult to understand. Um, or they will do the thing that they will use the British English for certain things, which is fine for you know if I was British. But as as an American, there are some words I'm like, wait, what? Why is it using this word? Oh, this is what it means. Okay, they must have grabbed the British English, you know, translation. So basically, uh, Google Translate. <laughs> yeah, they. They uh, they could yeah they did a I'm, I'm not gonna say they did a once over pass on Google Translate it's fine like I, I I have never been confused for more than a few you know a few seconds going like wait what do they mean by this oh okay I get it like it's not like it's incomprehensible like haha this is so bad it's funny levels um but there are times when it's it's confusing and then the game lacks an effective way to fundamentally deliver key information to the player. Um, it, there is a, uh, a an encyclopedia or a glossary that opens up as you play through the game and unlock new technologies, but they don't always do a good job of explaining what a thing does or how to use it. And I don't know if this is an English language barrier issue. And so there's just some things that they fundamentally didn't know how to translate or if they're trying to leave some of it open to player discovery and interpretation, but they took it too far. And so sometimes things just don't have a good enough description. So it's turned into kind of a wiki game. A little bit. So I guess I should back up. Dyson sphere program is um, a game that is two parts factorio one part satisfactory, one part uh, Kardashev simulator. So satisfactory, so, so it's okay? <laughs> yes, it is okay. Um, it's it's This game is very heavily inspired by Factorio in the way that you construct your factory and gather resources. It plays out from a top-down, isometric-esque type view. And you run around on the environment, which in this case is our planets and a solar system. Um, and then a larger galactic context, I think. There are multiple stars that you can see, um, but I haven't gotten super far down the tech tree. And your goal is that you are a an engineer, like a top-tier engineer for your civilization. And you are building Dyson spheres around stars, which any, anyone who doesn't know, a Dyson sphere... Um, or more accurately known as a Dyson Swarm. As a sphere which is, around uh, a Dyson. <laughs> around a sun, um, or a star, rather, in any star, with the intent to capture 100% or as close to 100% of that star's energy as possible. Um, because your entire civilization is um, a, a technological singularity. And so you are, tr- are you are fueling the growth and development of the singularity, 
by creating Dyson spheres around stars. Um, and so that's that's the purpose of the game. You are brought in on like a a colony type ship thing, and you're given some narration by I guess what's like the ship's AI, and it drops you off on the planet in a uh, mecha suit and tells you, you know, hey, gather some resources, build the stuff, go crazy, have fun. And that's kind of it. You get very short tutorials for certain systems whenever you research them in the tech tree. But otherwise, I think this game expects you to be a fan of the genre and doesn't do much hand-holding, which is fine. I can handle that. Um, but then you, you start building up towards um, the ultimate goal of making the Dyson Spheres. And it, it plays very much like Factorio. You can go around the entire planet um, placing down mining uh, mining drills, uh laying out conveyor belts to bring them over to the smelters and then from there to your assembler machines and then from there you know if they need to go through further assembly to create a more specialized product or to be turned into things for uh, research and development or perhaps uh, you're refining fuel to power something like you go through the entire supply chain process ultimately to turn these things into research data to gain research points and work your way up the tech tree to building a Dyson sphere. Um, and that's, that's the gameplay loop. And I assume you win once you get a Dyson sphere. I'm not even close yet. I haven't even started. I'm still on my starting planet. Um, and I think one of the reasons that I am is like I said, the game doesn't give you a lot of information. It, it doesn't really give you much direction uh, or even really a nudge on what to do or where to go. So it drops you in and you can start researching a bunch of stuff on the tech tree and the first couple of levels you have to research, but then it opens up and you can research something like 30 different techs with the tier one research um, stuff. They're like research cubes or something like that. Um, so, you know, you've got all these techs that you can research. Some of them are, are dependent on other techs, but it, it's it's very vague and you just research stuff and you see what it does. And I've, I've wasted some time researching things out of sort of order um because it's like oh yes now you can refine this type of thing to use and this type of whatever to build the next widget and i'm like i don't have either of those things why do i have access to this technology already and then it's you know i go back down the tree a couple of steps and it's like oh i should have researched this thing and then gone up and researched this you know this other thing but like i said it gives you no direction it just turns you loose and and lets you go so that has has caused some slowdowns um but the gameplay loop is you know satisfactory and the reason i say it's two parts factorial with one part satisfactory is that there's a 3d element to it uh there's verticality to your builds certain structures you're encouraged to build vertically instead of horizontally uh and then your conveyor system for all of your on-planet transportation uh, has got multiple layers that you can stack them. So you can have sort of a giant like conveyor ladder essentially going across your planet with, you know, six layers deep of conveyor belts for, for stuff. Um, so you can be very space efficient in that way. Uh, and it actually does a, it does a neat thing of modeling the curvature of worlds. It took me a little bit to notice it at first because when I was building at a very small scale, you really don't notice the curvature of the the worlds themselves affecting your builds but once you start building on a larger scale you can like zoom out a little bit and see like oh yeah all of these things are like curving around and nothing is truly perfectly square like it's a neat little touch that gets it like some bonus points for like 
realism or I don't know. I don't know if realism is the right way to say it, but it, it gets some bonus points for that. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, would not yeah. be pleased. And also if you have OCD. Yeah, which I do a little bit. <laughs> A little bit. There's a couple of times I'm like, oh, this doesn't match up perfectly because the earth is round. Yes, and and, and Jared, it's never going to match up perfectly. Fuck. Um, But uh, your your mecha is, um, you know, fulfills the same sort of purpose as the uh, satisfactor or the the Factorio engineer, like, magic crafting pocket suit or whatever. Um, You have to fuel it, but you can fuel it with basically any organic matter. So all the trees you rip up out of the ground that you don't really need for anything, you just shove them in the reactor and, and burn them and make fuel. It's great. Um, and uh, you can build almost anything inside of your mechas, like, I don't, I don't know, replicator or whatever, just by shoving raw resources into it. It's inefficient compared to factories, but if you just need something real quick, you can make almost anything in it that doesn't have to be synthesized either via complex chemical reactions or some type of, like, fusion reaction. Um, So you can do a lot with that. Initially, the mech suit can only walk or sort of hover over bodies of water, but you can research upgrades that allow you to fly so it gets, you know, uh, a a jetpack, and then you can go into space with another upgrade and then increase, like, your space movement speed, and then eventually there's warp drive, which I'm pretty far away from. But that's to obviously increase your mobility between worlds. Um, you can see in some of the screenshots and the videos that there are like rail guns shooting off resources to distant worlds or launching rockets into space and um, some type of orbital platforms or something. I've not gotten to any of that stuff yet. I'm tempted to start over because I kind of fucked myself on the initial tech tree. And I do have plenty of place space to expand on my planet but i kind of don't want to fix it i just want to start over and do it properly from the beginning so i've thought about starting over and doing things differently but it's a randomly generated seed every time so i would get a different planet that might have different resources um i could i guess i could see how the generation goes because sometimes like it tells you like you research something it's like yeah our scans indicate that this resource is not present on your planet you're going to have to find it or synthesize it some other way. And I'm like, oh, well, that's good. Thanks. Lovely. So I assume that some of the basic resources like iron and coal and stone are going to be present pretty much anywhere. But more specialized resources like, you know, titanium or certain uh, chemicals necessary for um, uh, chem- like electrolysis or maybe even uh fissionable materials so i haven't found any uranium and that's in the tech tree um oil my planet has a lot of oil on it so i'm running like fossil fuel power plants all over the place like i'm I'm making hydrogen fuel cells for something and then just i just like have a byproduct of all this oil i'm like ah fuck it burn it i've already chopped down almost all the, the forests on the entire planet let's just wreck the the biosphere some more no comments because that would be too damn easy. <laughs> right, right. As far as I can tell, there's no enemies. I haven't ran into any on the planet. I'm not sure if some of the screenshots or the videos, if that's like you're shooting to to damage something, or if it is like just launching stuff into space that you need. I'm not sure. There are complexities for drone transportation networks and starships and like all kinds of stuff that I'm not at yet. But 
overall, I'm enjoying it so far, but it's very clearly an early access title that has got a ways to go before I think it's a more viable product to a general audience. Um, if you're me or some of the other people in our uh, sphere that I know like these types of games... That would launch a planet I, I think, at you? Yeah, Kyle. I saw that Kyle bought it uh, today, I think, or maybe yesterday. But, um, you know, if, if you're... If you're in our group and you've listened to me talk about Factorio and be like, yeah, I like Factorio, and then subsequently went out and bought Factorio, you would like this game. If you're a little bit on the fence, hold off. Um, the, the game's got a, got a little ways to go uh, yet before I think it's more viable to, like I said, a general audience or someone who's not sort of already invested in this niche. But um, as for an early access title that is you know, not claiming to be anything except an early access title and development... They've got a solid start as long as they build on it. If they leave it the way it is, uh, you know, that's going to suck because it's got a lot of potential. But, you know, I'll come back to it uh, six months, a year, and talk about it some more then. I mean, I'm going to keep playing it right now. I want to get through one sort of entire gameplay uh, experience. You know, I want to get to the Dyson Sphere part um, or get to the point where I'm banging my head against the wall and I can't anymore. Um, And then... Maybe talk about it again and then revisit it in a year or so and see what changes they made to it. So, solid first experience. I haven't given this one a rating on my uh, scale yet just because I I don't feel like I've played it enough to really be able to rate it as it is. Um, Just because this is one of those games where you're going to play it for dozens of hours before you get through even one uh, one full gameplay loop. So, but yeah, off to a good start. Woo. Woo. I took a sip of my beverage because I was thirsty. Um, Moving on from that, though, we're going to talk about something gaming adjacent. Yeah, but barring the Jim just, Sterling uh, definition. Yeah, that we just can't not talk about. Um, we're treating this as a general topic because any article that we post is going to be horrendously out of date by the time that this uh, the episode airs on Friday. So we're, we're probably... You know, pretty sure that you guys have all heard of this, though. We're going to talk about the GameStop stock fiasco. Yeah, this is crazy. This is the internet being the internet, right? Absolutely. Um, So, Wall Street being Wall Street and the internet being the internet. Yeah. So, basically, a bunch of edgelords found that uh, some hedge funds were shorting GameStop stocks expecting them to lose uh, value and make money off the pro- uh, yeah, the process of GameStop uh, slowly dying, which, you know, GameStop, yeah, it, it's an ex- it, GameStop is just kind of like the catalyst here. Yeah, they're kind of just in the background. That's the main one going on, but it has nothing to do with how shitty GameStop has been, especially during the pandemic. Yeah. So, in case anyone doesn't know, I just I will briefly explain what shorting a stock means. Um, essentially, what you want to do in the stock market is is buy stocks when their value is low and hold on to them as the value rises, and then sell them so you make money. But if you do uh, what is called operating on margin trading, you can essentially borrow a stock from a, a lending firm, and you pay or. Um, you know, you, you borrow it at whatever market value is, and then um, 
you hope that its value goes down so that when you have to sell it back to the brokerage, you get to pocket the difference. Yeah, the so, the, the example I saw, and I'm going to have to go into my YouTube history to figure out who I saw it from. Uh, they used the example of apples. Uh, basically, you go to a vendor and say, can I borrow an apple and I'll pay you back later? And you're counting on the value of apples going down so that you could eventually sell that apple that you borrowed to another vendor and then buy another apple at the price that it is now at that lower price to pay off your uh, debt to the first vendor. And uh, you essentially pocket the uh, uh, the difference from the high price to the low price as the shorting of apples in this case. Right, but, because margin trading is not based on money. In, 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 it's based on the stock. So if I borrow one stock, I just have to give one stock back. And it doesn't matter what it costs me to have to, to buy it and then give it back. So I'm hoping to sell it at, at you know, 10 and then the value drops, and so I have to buy it back, but I buy it back at five and then give it back to the broker. Yeah, which is where it gets a little crazy, where you're hoping that the stock, that the market actually does bad to be able to uh, make your money back on that profit of paying off your debts. And also, yeah. the, the crazy thing is that if enough people are shorting the stock, there could actually be more debt going around than what there is actual supply of the stocks on the market because the way it works is that okay so you have the debt of let's say one stock or one app or whatever well then somebody else could go back and borrow a uh, an apple from the vendor that you sold it to and uh, sell it to the first one so there's a virtual two apples going around in debt when there's only been one apple go back and forth. Right, because brokerage firms can trade with one another. Uh -huh. So you could have a brokerage firm lend out stocks to another who then lends those stocks out to someone else. So it, it gets weird. This is why we started the beginning of the show with like everything is fake, nothing is real. Because all of this is basically bullshit. And it's it's not illegal. This is how stock markets have yeah, operated. Not moral, for, but not legal, right? Yeah, yeah. This is how the stock market has operated for a long time. And I'm not trying to make excuses for its modern uh, ideation, but this is a problem that has existed for hundreds of years in stock trading, or its its equivalent in you know pre modern times. So, so anyways, yeah. that's 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 what shorting a stock is. Yeah, so uh so back to the actual topic. A bunch of edge lords found out that people uh, that hedge funds were shorting GameStop and decided to buy on mass to drive the price up because, you know, it doesn't matter that GameStop is doing terribly as a business and it's done a lot of stuff to drive customers away. And never mind the fact that they've been closing a bunch of stores as well. Uh because the, you know, the price of stocks is kind of semi-independent of how the store or how the how that company is actually doing, right? Yeah, because stock. I mean, in in a nutshell, the the price of stock is more reflective of the perception of the company, not the actual financial strength of the company. So the perception of GameStop 
was that it was it was going down the toilet and i mean you know it it kind of has been mm-hmm. there were some reports at the beginning of this year that gamestock had been restructuring and all of its uh sell off of assets and things was starting to put it in a position where it could become financially viable again like i'm using a lot of like could, maybe, maybe sort of kind of language but you know for a company that's worth billions of dollars even you know at its in its you know poor state that it is those sorts of things are enough for for some uh, creditors to give them a chance to to make you know to to become a profitable company again. And some of the uh, let's say most optimistic estimates said that GameStop could be a profitable multi billion dollar national corporation again by twenty twenty three, which sounds bonkers to me. Yeah. But hey, you know, well, you could say the I same know? thing about uh, Babbage's and GameStop bought them out and turned all those stores into ba- into GameStop. So right. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about retail is nothing is forever. Things can change on a whim or on just you know a few bad years, and the top company out there can fall just due to changing market conditions. Let's pick one almost at random. How about Sears? Sears could have been Amazon twenty years ago. They had just had to really digitize their catalog and maybe start looking at not doing as much retail, but they held on to their retail stores and on some very, very expensive land, I might add. So they just saw the value of their company get eaten away by other companies. And you know, now here we are without Sears. And honestly, if you go to the mall, well, first of all, not sure why you would these days. Uh, but if you go to the mall, all the anchor stores are either gone or on the way out. Because, you know, all those big retailers are, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a YouTube channel that I think you'll find interesting. It's called Company Man. And he talks about different companies uh, and the, you know, what happened to them, either good or bad. Usually bad, I might add. But the Sears one is quite uh, amazing at some of the things that they pulled uh and it also talks about how they got to their point as well before the fall so talking about the history of the company that sort of thing it it sounds utterly boring but it's fascinating especially when it's something that you might not really think about like you know uh uh, like oh uh, a good one is actually steak and shake uh something uh, adina and i watched uh not too long ago talking about how the company kind of expanded out of this one gas station, mm-hmm. which I imagine he's going to be doing another video on GameStop because I think he did one before, but I could be mistaken on that one. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to look into the into it because I don't. I've never seen that channel. Before. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to start it um, for later. Yeah, but anyways, so where did we get to? <laughs> uh, uh, shorting. Shorting. So some people on Wall Street Bets on Reddit noticed that GameStop was, um, you know, was the stock was being shorted, that they thought, you know what, there's actually a chance that GameStop might come back. And even if it doesn't, fuck the billionaire Wall Street people, right? And they convinced um, everyone on the subreddit uh, over uh, the, the course subreddit, of... The subreddit Wall Street Bets. It, this isn't all of Reddit, by the way. This is like the... This is the one percenters of Reddit that had the money to throw at this as well. Yeah, but so they they started um, doing what's called a, a 
a squeeze. So when you notice that a stock is being shorted, you can drive the price up by buying all of the stock. And so that creates an artificial demand, which inflates the price. And then the people who have been, uh, who have to buy the stock back eventually, either by the terms of the contract or, um, just whenever they've determined that they can't lose any more money are, are forced to buy the stock back and give it back to the original brokerage firm. And so by, with Redditors or, or with the Wall Street bet people, um, and anyone else this has expanded to over the course of, of the meme fest, uh, bought, millions of 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 dollars worth of stock like there's some people that i saw on there who had over a million dollars of uh gamestop stock when uh at, at a certain point so you know millions of dollars worth of stock collectively driving the price up and causing a couple of these brokerage firms to lose somewhere at estimated three billion dollars in capital um and this has resulted in a ton of stuff going on in Wall Street, everywhere from politicians to crying, you know, getting in on and saying that, like, what the these brokerage firms are doing is bullshit, um, to an issue with Robinhood, which is the primary app that uh, most of these people were using to trade stocks, um, doing some shitty things. Not uh, illegal then, or against their terms of service, but immoral. No. Every, every as far as I know, I'm I'm not a lawyer. And I'm also not like uh, an investment, like I'm, I'm not giving you investing advice and I'm not giving you legal advice. But as far as I can tell, everything that Robin Hood did was above board because it's covered in their terms of service. But who um, actually reads that? That's the thing, right? That's true. And also some of the things that they did might have been driven by, um, uh, what's it called? A merger call? Or no, not a merger call. Uh, a margin call. So brokerage firms that uh, operate this way occasionally do what's called a margin call whenever the market is looking a, a little weird and they see what everyone's outstanding stock is um, and these ongoing trades and any lending that they're doing and basically look like if we had to buy back everything right now, would we be in the black or would we be in the red? Um, and there's a, this isn't confirmed at least at this point, but there's some pretty strong suspicion going around that Robin hood made a margin call and saw that they were going to be in the red if the the bottom fell out on this and they didn't take action. And that's why they restricted trades and forced some positions to close for people who didn't actually yet fully own their stock, but were but instead have been trading on the margins, which basically is like trading with credit instead of actual money. Um, and they forced some people's positions to close so that if they got called out by the SEC and had to deal with it right then it wouldn't bankrupt their company. So their practices, their shitty practices put them in a bad position where they had to do some shitty things to make sure their company stayed afloat. I'm not giving them any excuses. That's bad, but it's not illegal. So everyone who's saying that they're going to be suing Robin hood probably doesn't have any legal grounds to stand on. Although I will give them all the moral ground to stand on. Cause they got fucking played by a bunch of edge lords on Reddit, and you know what? Fuck them. Yeah, it's they nice deserve to, it. It's nice to see the edge lords go without all the racism and hate. Yeah, although let's be real, there's probably some racism and hate there too. Oh, Just oh definitely not as much and not as prevalent. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Um, when yeah, uh, GameStop got up to like four hundred and sixty dollars at one point, and it closed today at ninety two dollars a share. Yeah. So if you wrote that it's, up, you made a hell of a lot of money or potential too. 
Yeah. But, and there were a couple of opportunities for you to get off and still make a shitload of money. Um, but unfortunately, just like with most most things, only a few people are going to come out on top of this, and everyone else is going to have lost big money. But t- today, the uh, several of the uh, hedge funds uh, closed out. So they bought up all the stock. The people who sold made a killing, and then the price plummeted. So anyone who's left is is probably left holding the ball. Yeah, which sucks uh, if uh, somebody is buying into it just uh, on, you know, hold, it'll go back up. There's no guarantee of that. Yeah, it's it's not very likely to. I mean, anything can happen. Obviously, I'm not giving you financial advice. I don't know shit. I play with this stuff for fun sometimes because fuck it. But, you know, I, I don't study this. I don't, I'm not a financial guy but it seems unlikely to me that it will go back up i think that this one is over now there's always the next short sale that you can try to get in on if you really want to but and it just so happened that all this ha- that all of this occurred with gamestop which makes it sort of you know gaming adjacent viable content for this show and there are a, a million news articles out there right now a bunch of youtube videos you could go watch but like we said at the top they're all going to be out of date by the time this releases on Friday. This is one of those stories that is developing daily, sometimes multiple times a day. So when you hear this, if you were unaware or, or if you hadn't been following it closely and you had questions, um, just start looking through reputable news sources and see what they have to say. Uh, you could always go to Wall Street Bets and check that out. But that place right now is on fire because uh, everyone over there is is between like, no, hold the line. Well, they're, they're also supposedly getting brigaded about a bunch of bots as well. Yeah, which I'd believe that it, one. Yeah, I also would believe that because uh, but they they've been uh, essentially drawn too much attention to them themselves. So uh, yeah, it, it's nasty over there. The last time I checked, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. Do you have any? Any other thoughts or any questions uh, that I might? I mean, it's just may or may not be able to answer. Crazy. I mean, this isn't going to save GameStop, most likely. Uh, if if it does uh, anything, it might help them buy a little bit of time to restructure. But you know, this isn't magically making GameStop a better company. They still have some bad practices going on. They still have some uh, shitty things that they're doing in stores. They're, uh, they're clinging to a model that is slowly slipping away yeah i mean i'm closer to a gamestop than what i was but like i said before i i eventually plan to not hold on to mario odyssey and i'll sell it but i'll do so through ebay because yeah i'll get a hell of a lot more out of it because gamestop's policy of buying used games to resell themselves is not very friendly to the consumer themselves so, yeah, there's a lot of uh, right. Yep, absolutely. I I've lived ten minutes from a GameStop for years now, and I don't think I've been in there once since I've lived in this house. Uh, I think I'm like half an hour away. Uh, or actually, well, where I live, uh, I'm uh, on the bus line now. So, but yeah, we we moved here. Like a month before COVID went down, so yeah, didn't really get a chance to really make use of it. So uh, it's just the local GameStop last I checked was not great. 
So it's not in a big hurry to go there anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if COVID weren't happening, I probably still wouldn't go just because of, you know, everything that they do. I would just tell. I actually, even the local, uh, 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 like thrift stores, they don't really have that many games. Hell, uh, the, I picked up the one game I found that was in good condition on the last Zany Adventure uh, a couple of weeks ago. I actually did. I told you about that one, didn't I? Uh, yeah, yeah I, think I so. got a sealed copy of Microsoft Flight Simulator 2012. Yeah. So if I want to go flying and not want to deal with you know Game Passes annoying patching, hey, I, at least I could go flying now, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, yeah. You know, if something major happens, or maybe if any of this goes to court, or, you know, legislative, you know, stuff is done, then, uh, I'm, you know, there's a chance we'll talk about it again. But honestly, unless you guys have questions and ask us directly to try and explain something better, or give more opinions on something, I don't know if, if it's worth us to come back to this topic, just because, like, you know, I, I don't I mean, know what kinda, else there is to say. It's kind of gaming adjacent, but also... Kinda not. Yeah. Just because the primary thing happened to be GameStop. Yeah. But just, you know, what, everything what, is fake, nothing is real. It's all bullshit. Yeah. T- turns out uh two thousand twenty one is not very different from uh twenty twenty, right? Yeah, so far. Uh there's plenty of crazy shit going yeah, down. Yeah, let's see. Armed uh, uh insurrection, um uh now the market's going crazy. Uh so uh next up is Australia turn uh, uh Catching on fire again? Yeah. Complete the circle. Australia catches on fire again. And then California. Oh, and then we could have COVID too, electric boogaloo. Oh, we're working on that with all the different variants, remember? Because uh, That's true. Because, That's very true. Because, uh, yeah, people didn't uh, try to slow the spread, so it had a chance to mutate and evolve, huh? How about that? Evolution's real. I did see... Uh... Yes, evolution is is real. I did see, though, one little, like, positive thing related to COVID that in in parts of the world that took it seriously, flu, cases of the flu were down something like 95% because everyone is is wearing masks and distancing. Oh, okay. Here's something that uh, that pisses me the fuck off, all right? People that uh, see that, or or that uh, on Facebook, which I realize, you know, that's my first problem. There was a bunch of idiots here but uh people saying oh well whatever happened to the flu season oh it's just all covid now listen here you dense motherfucker the reason why the flu uh, numbers are down is because people are taking actions to control a virus (laughs) right and when you control one virus you're also hurting the chance of spreading other viruses now of course i realize this is germ theory so nobody's proven it yet because you're so fucking illiterate you see the word theory and think it means guess but fuck you okay i'm done (laughs) right all right uh let's move it on to our next topic which is a, a couple of topics mushed together uh we're going to talk about some cyberpunk 
Cybertrunk. Cyberpunk. Cyberchunk. Some Cyberpunk 2077 news, but not nudes. Oh, so, uh, this one's kind of, the first one's kind of a public service announcement also, but also a kind of, really, I mean, really. So, Cyberpunk dev is warning that mods can allow code execution exploits, because, of course, right? Of course. It looks like a, the way that Cyberpunk handles external DLLs from its sandboxed folder, there's a way that mods could use that to run malicious code on your computer. So you got to be very, 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 very careful on what mods you do to fix this broken, shitty game that they released. So, hey, (laughs) right? Yep, there you go. Cyberpunk continues to be trash, a trash fire. And that while they are working on that as well, it's just, right? Of course. Yep. Right. Just one more thing to throw on the pile. Now, honestly, I don't know if this one would have been caught by a, a better, longer dev cycle. Um, well, this might be just a, a thing. Uh, well, we don't, I, I gotta admit, I'm not a programmer. So a lot of this is, yeah, looking in and kind of, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking. However, there's so much issues surrounding cyberpunk. There's so many broken things. And this is not even touching on the last gen console stuff that is just kind of horrendous. That part of it, I think, might just be, you know, shoddy, uh, you know, uh, code work in general that it may have opened up more uh, exploits that than otherwise there would be i, I mean I, I can't say for certain on that one however you know right if we're there's smoke there's fire right yeah absolutely what i was gonna say is i don't know if this is something that would have been fixed or been caught with a longer dev cycle like actually spending more time working on making sure the game wasn't a buggy piece of shit but, you know, if it hadn't have been, I would imagine that this wouldn't be as much of an issue as it is if it had been the only thing or one of only a few things yeah. that have been like, oh, we caught this now. We didn't know because of mods. We're fixing it. Don't worry. But now it's like, well, this is in the list of all the other stuff we got to fix. Yeah. It just, it just makes it to me. It makes it feel worse because it's like, oh, here's another fucking thing. It's just wow. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, which I know that if you're downloading mods from reputable sites, it's most likely you're not going to hit an issue. However, now you got to really be careful, right? Yeah. And even on reputable sites, there's still a chance that somebody sneaks something in, you know. So uh, speaking of sneaking things in, (laughs) uh, uh, something else that they've been, you know, desperately, desperately trying to stop is... People have been making sex mods with Keanu Reeves because it's the internet. Rule 34 exists. And also it's Keanu Reeves. And they've been knocking down mods that are essentially, from what I understand, a body or just a NPC swap or a model swap so that it makes it so that you can... uh, uh, One of the romanceable NPCs that you normally could have, and I use romanceable in the sarcasm quotes, perhaps, uh, is just 
happens to be Johnny Silverhand, Keanu Reeves' character. So, you know, and they're essentially projecting the, you know, the Strazend effect on this. Yeah, you know, this was going to be a Friends thing, most likely, on most places. But now there's news articles everywhere about fucking Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh... I'm all about the Connor but, sex but, mod. I, I don't. I, I'm curious. Like, I have no idea if he, if it's if he's commented or not. I, I have. But I bet Keanu Reeves wouldn't give one. a shit. I haven't seen anything about it. But CD Projekt Red is singling out the Keanu Reeves model uh, because it's based on a real person. So uh, that that starts to get a little, you know, kind of, yeah. You know, where do you draw the line on this as well? I do understand that they're worried about getting sued by Keanu Reeves, right? Yeah. Uh, but on the same thing, you know, they're kind of, you know, shine this giant spotlight on uh, this. And it's a very, very basic mod as well. This isn't like a, this long romance quest that somebody created to seduce Keanu Reeves over the course of, you know, however many hours. This is a very, very basic mod that anybody with body experience could do in a very short amount of time. And now they're just, you know, saying that. Okay, well, don't do this. Definitely do not do this. Never do this. Oh, crap. More people are doing this now. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a thing I saw that Keanu Reeves said. I don't know, ex- I don't know when he said it. I can imagine it was recently, at least within the last, like, few years. But it was something along the lines of, of a quote from him that says, like, I'm at a point in my life where if someone says to me, one plus one equals five, I'm like, you know what? Good for you, man. Have fun. I'm not going to get involved. <laughs> I mean, Keanu Reeves, everything that I've read about him, uh, he's like uh, going to be our generation's uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Keanu Reeves is just like genuinely a good dude from everything that I can have seen. Like, just he's, he's f- for his whole career, has always just been like so down to earth and chill and cool with people. And, um, and he knows Kung Fu. And he knows kung fu, and the dude knows how to fucking shoot guns. Jesus, I I don't I don't know if you've ever seen any of the training that he has done for like to for the Matrix and for uh, more recently like the John Wick films, but that dude really can handle guns that way. It's insane. I haven't seen some of the behind the scenes stuff, but I do know that he. Really gets into his action movie roles as well. I mean, I've seen some of the, uh, I've seen the first John Wick. I still need to see the uh, next couple, but it's just... the the first the first John Wick is the best movie. <laughs> but in terms of like going all in on that sort of style of action, they get better with every movie. And and Keanu, I mean Keanu Reeves did have you know someone who did you know he had a stop man, but all somewhere between most and all of the work that you see in those movies with the firearms themselves. Keanu Reeves like did that like he knows how to do all that stuff and it, it's as realistic as possible because they wanted the the weapon work to be as authentic as possible and then I've seen videos of him like training for John Wick and doing like various like uh, SWAT team and, and like army and navy training courses like firearm courses and stuff like dude is insane how good he is with with weapons I would never want to, to actually fight him like, I mean, I don't want to fight Keanu Reeves anyways. He's a lovely human but being. You, but you would um, fuck him. But I totally would fuck him. But, I mean, you know, I don't want to I don't want to fight him. I don't want to be on a, the other end of a fight with that dude. He would kick my ass in a minute. 
not even two seconds i'd be done anyways uh yeah keanu reeves sex mod sad to see it go uh but you would love to see it come at one hundo um speaking of of things that are going though Google shuts down its first-party Stadia Studios in a move, uh, this is me editorializing, in a move that we all saw coming. Yeah, but not this soon. I mean, this is the thing, okay? So, everything that I've seen, a full development cycle of a AAA game, and let's put, let's be blunt here, that's what Google was planning on. They weren't planning on some indie uh, or AA area stuff. They were going all in on AAA uh, quality games. And uh, mm-hmm. no, you could hear Jim Sterling uh, snicker. <laughs> AAA quality. AAA. <laughs> uh, but that usually has a development cycle of you know, two or three years. You might be able to push something out in a year. But with uh, how Google was planning on running their studios, that wasn't going to happen. You're looking at two or three year investment. Yeah, it's a long haul thing. And they seem to know this going in and they offered long term contracts to these developers and uh, some kind of relaxed stuff going on. And I'm not sure if this is a thing with the pandemic as well, where, you know, suddenly things slow down even further because we've seen a a huge cascade of just games, uh, game development uh, come to a uh, really a crawl and a bunch of delays in the last half of last year uh, going into this year actually so it could just be you know they see going from uh two to three years to three to four maybe five years on whatever project they were working on i never even saw anything about what they were planning on doing as a first part of release because everything I always saw for Stadia was always third-party stuff, and they don't even have, at least the last time I checked, all the planned features that they were talking about before the release into Stadia. You know, all the, like, save states and rewinds and challenges and that sort of thing. It's a very yeah. basic system uh, still, <laughs> as far as I can tell. So, they killed off their studio, and... uh axed 150 jobs which is actually kind of small for a first party triple a studio isn't it uh honestly i don't know i don't know what typical first party like studio sizes would be um that's something that you know despite all the time we've done this we've never really talked about studio sizes um i know that Uh, that places like blizzard activision whatever like have hundreds and hundreds of people on staff but those are like outlier like I feel like those are outliers. Yeah. 150, though, is still a lot for a single, you know, company like Mm -hmm. that. Um, Well, this is also, you know, divided between a couple smaller, like, uh, compartmentalized studios, and they're just axing the entire thing. So, yeah, it's just, I, I think this is really coming around to really both Google and Amazon wanting to get into game development, but not really understanding what game development means you know uh, they're yeah uh, they understand it as a concept but or as an idea but not how it transitions into the business sense so whenever it doesn't meet up with what their expectations are uh they'll just cut their losses 
like Amazon has actually, it's actually, all, uh, they're at what negative one releases now on their stuff. <laughs> yeah. They don't have a good track record. And they're talking about pushing out an MMO now uh, in the next uh, under a year uh, that's been in development, if I recall correctly, which is another hugely ambitious project uh, that costs yeah. tons and tons and tons of money and tons of money to keep up and also a ton of development time to keep fresh because you can't just push an MMO out and go on to the next project. You have to constantly develop new content for it or you're just going to see the user base dwindle away so i think this might just be the you know uh, outsiders trying to get into game development and not really understanding it and when it doesn't live up to expectations uh hugely unrealistic expectations they'll just cut their losses and say okay fine you're gone and this is on top of yo google has a huge track record of just cutting off uh, services that, on a whim, let alone ones that weren't performing well. They will take loss leaders, uh, but they have to be for very specific purposes. See YouTube. YouTube, as far as I know, has never generated money per se, but it pushes ads like crazy, which feeds into their other services. And it also generates uh, information and, you know, it, it's a loss leader for their company as a whole. So yeah. they'll keep that going. But Stadia, as far as I can tell, has been struggling pretty much nonstop. Yeah. It's, and Stadia, they, in one of these articles that, um, I think it was the Tech Raptor one, um, like they've got a statement in there that Stadia is, is not like closing down everything, just their first party studio uh, or studios and they uh, are going to keep putting games on the service and uh, would pivot to publishing possibly. But I, I don't know. I feel like the, the, the stadia, the writing has been on the wall for a while. I think the writing was on the wall uh, since launch stadia. The, the actual game streaming is a good idea that is still too early for most people if it was ever gonna succeed it was 2020 like that was the time mm-hmm. that a game streaming service in the current tech space we have was going to succeed and in the past year and i don't think it did yeah within the past year and i don't think it did because i don't think that we're there yet from an infrastructure standpoint for most people and i mean we've talked about this ad nauseum especially where, where your primary customer base w- was was going to be what was in america like that's where their primary push was, and most people in America just don't have the internet to support a good game streaming service. And most people who play games, I, I'm going to uh, seriously, or as like a primary hobby, maybe that's a better way to say it, um, have the equipment to do so and don't need your streaming service. So they picked a bad market at a bad time, and if it didn't make it, you know, in in 2020, you know, or within the past year then the market's just not ready for it. And I don't think Stadia is going to last much longer. I think services like, you know, PC Game Pass and all of these other publishers that have put up their own similar sort of subscription service where you can just download a game and play it that way. I think that's where the market needs to be at or where the market is at right now. And not the game streaming could never work, but I don't think that we're at the right place in the market for it. You know, try again in five years. Or or focus somewhere else, focus on your Asia's or Europe maybe. 
don't make the United States your primary market for things. Yeah, the United States it has a huge population, but it's just way too spread out. We don't, yeah. Hey, hey, big comp- corporations, let me let you in on a a little little secret. Two two little secrets here. Uh, our infrastructure sucks, and most of us don't have very much money. <laughs> the ones that do don't give a shit about your game streaming service. America sucks. There you go. You can have that last one for free. The others, though, I, I expect a million dollars. <laughs> million dollar checks in my mailbox by next Tuesday. Yeah, but it's all going to be, uh, you know, 20 billion uh, shares of uh, soybeans. <laughs> of soybeans. Hey, that's fine. I'll take 20 billion shares of soybeans. Why not? Yeah, and it's worth a buck fifty total. Well, you know, you know. I, I, Damn, you, that you, means you would, I own the whole soybean uh, you, conglomeration. You, you would... You would make more money going out and buying a bag of soybeans and selling them individually. <laughs> Probably. It's okay, though. I could say that I own a soybean conglomeration. Wow, you must be rich. Yeah, I'm worth a buck fifty. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm worth half of a Frappuccino from Starbucks. Not really. Those things are garbage. They're way overpriced. I mean, I do like a Frappuccino, don't get me wrong, just I don't like Starbucks. Anyways, uh, ready to move on to our final news topic of the night? Uh, yeah, I think so. Sweet. Warner Brothers patented Shadow of the... Or Sh- Shadow of the War. I just can't talk tonight. Shadow of War's nemesis system. Yeah, so remember how we were talking, what, a year or two years ago? Wondering why we didn't see more of the nemesis, this nemesis system? Well, uh, it spread to you. Yeah, yeah, you're contagious. It's worse than the COVID. <laughs> Oh, no. Well, turns out there's a good reason. Uh, This just kind of unearthed recently. I'm not sure if this would have shown up if somebody uh, did some more digging or if this is just kind of like, yeah, stuff has come to light, right? But they patented the Nemesis system back in 2016, and it's just kind of coming to the surface now. They haven't been granted the patent yet. However, it's also going to stave off some creativity because... People are going to see this patent and not want to challenge it because, yeah. So, this sucks, right? Yeah. Yep, this sucks. Because the, I the mean, Nemesis system is a brilliant, pro, or brilliant system that's in a game that I honestly don't care that much about. And I would have loved to seen it evolve more with other people, but eh, right? Yeah. Um... I, yeah, I love the Nimbus system. I love the idea of it. I love the interesting emergent gameplay opportunities it provides. It it sucks if it, uh, you know, that it's being patented. Patented. And I don't know what the limitations on it would be. Like, what have they patented? Like, does it say specifically um, in either of these news articles? Uh, like, yeah. It, is it, it the concept? It, is it the specific technology? It, it, oh, hang on. So, let's see if I can find... Uh, the Nemesis characters, Nemesis forts, uh, social vendettas, and follow, uh, followers in computer games uh, is now ass- uh, assigned to... Uh, it's still listed as pending, so... Uh, they actually have the actual patent here, so... Uh, methods for managing non-player uh, characters and power centers in a computer game are based on character hierarchies and individualized uh, correspondences between each character's uh, traits or rank or events 
that invoked other non-player characters or objects. Players may share power centers, character uh, character hierarchies, uh, non-player characters, and related quests involving shared objects with other players playing separate and unrelated unre- game instances over the over a computer network. The outcome of the quest reflected in different games. Various configurations of games machi- uh, machines are used to implement the methods. So basically talking about the overarching idea of it. Of- so they have patented the mechanic, the yes. gameplay mechanic of the Nemesis system. It allows what, what might be a repetitive game to become a, a wonderful, uh, uh, chuggy pl- uh, pleasure. There is a, uh, this is from uh, uh, Eurogamer's Review. Basically talking about the system of killing an NPC and possibly having them come back or having other NPCs come into the system to, uh, yeah, it's basically the base mechanics, uh, uh, yeah, the technical description of what the Nemesis system is. Right. I mean, uh, Namco back in, uh, from 2000, uh, or sorry, 1959 to 2015 held the patent on loading screen mini games, let's put it that way, right? The, the yeah. Arrow and Crazy Taxi was patented at one point, right? Yeah, I just think that the yeah, I the, the idea of patenting game mechanics is dangerous. It, it this feels like patenting an idea, like I'm going to. I, I think intellectual property is different from this because intellectual property is like you know I, I have this character that i have created something that isn't actually physically tangible but does have real tangible value for long-term you know storytelling purposes or something like that gameplay mechanics feels like taking and patenting like a screw Mm. like I i get patenting like a specific type of screw maybe but patenting the idea of the screw itself is like well fuck you just stopped human progress for a while didn't you there bud and that might yeah but be a they're making so much money this, in but... the process and I, and yeah. yes i did check leonard french and he doesn't have anything on this all right he's been talking a lot about gamestop lately because of course also right. uh, getting into the uh, uh some of the trump lawsuits which seems to abuse him more than anything yeah i watch uh I, I am aware of Leonard French. I used to watch his content, but I, I kind of dropped off mm-hmm. after a while. I watch uh, a YouTube channel called Legal Legal, which is the same kind of idea. Um, but he covers, uh, I don't know, I feel like a wider variety of stuff mm-hmm. than Leonard French did. But, you know, he, he's talked about GameStop and Trump lawsuits and stuff recently. So, But I haven't seen anything about this patent stuff yet. Yeah, I mean, th- I just saw this pop up in the last few days. So I imagine it'll be... Uh... Yeah, going around the circles uh, in the next uh, you know week or two, so we might see you know some of the people with actual knowledge on how this works, and you know not us making random guesses. Uh, I'd be able to weigh in on it, but the, but yeah. the fact that we've seen mechanics, uh, uh, you know, get up uh, their patent is upheld before, doesn't really uh, leave me with a lot of hope uh, on. This not getting granted at some point. So there goes my dream, uh, yeah, yeah, pitch a game of uh, a superhero game using the Nemesis system, right? Yeah. A really any good gaming idea using the Nemesis system. Well, that was the one that really I had the idea for was 
you know, not have a Marvel or DC, uh, you know, superhero game, you know, not make it a Batman game. Have it like, hey, you know, you choose your powers or, you know, do what, you know, you know, have your traumatic event or whatever. Have it RPG-esque. But as you go through, you develop your rogues gallery based off how you handle things. You know, sort of, sort yeah. of using the idea that uh, Batman invertly created his rogues gallery, but the, his rogues gallery also created him. Yeah. So using the nemesis system, you know, that uh, uh, purse snatcher that you may have slightly maimed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, bring him to justice may take a vendetta against you and you know work his way up the criminal ranks that sort of thing uh, become the let's see what would it be the handbag henchman uh no yeah it's... no it'll uh, uh be the handy <laughs> right uh because <laughs> handy because, handy because he lost his hand <laughs> oh god yes and depending on how camp you want to take it, right? Uh, yeah. Th- what, what would be interesting is uh, some of the games that has a pseudo-nemesis system in play, what this means for them. Like, I know Warframe has one in, uh, uh, already going. It's not as in-depth as the uh, the Mordor ones, uh, where it's pretty much a singular level. And as you uh, deal with this one NPC... And kill them over and over again until you're able to finally finish them off. Uh, they grow and evolve. So it's a take on the nemesis system, but not full on. So it should be safe, but yeah, it, that doesn't stop lawyers from being assholes, right? Yeah, fucking assholes. Well, if that's your thing. As long as it's not a clown, right? <laughs> well, you know, you know, yeah, no clowns, please. Um, all right. Well, let a legal stuff on here this yeah. week actually very very strange week um let's see we didn't get any community corner stuff not, right not that i saw okay there was a little bit of activity on discord because there, there always is but nothing that i saw that we could really jump on nope. oh there goes craig craig broke poor craig and uh, what is it oh no anyway <laughs> Gotten very used to Craig breaking down no. at this point. Yeah, Craig is almost as bad as my computer these days. Almost. I was feeling really hopeful after last week when we got an entire Craig recording with no issues, but I guess it was too much. It's too much for him. Um. Anyways, you were saying Discord. Yeah. Some activity. Yeah, some activity, but uh, not a lot. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jim talking about Elon Musk. Oh, I did see about uh Elon Musk. Uh. Working on his uh, brain computer interface, uh, and I didn't put it in the show notes, but I did have a good chuckle at one of the headlines. Uh, someone editorialized it, saying that Elon Musk is working on making psychic gamer monkeys. <laughs> okay, because he's he's sure. working on a brain computer interface, and they're currently in the te- in the research phase, implanting chips into into apes and using them to work computer games or you know it's very simple computer games and you know somebody had to you know be funny about it right right absolutely but yeah um uh, overall not a lot going on uh community wise if you wish to contribute you can do so vglpodcast at gmail.com uh tweet us vgl podcast 
or go over to vglpodcast.podbean.com and you can uh, join the Discord from there. Indeed. Well, sir, would you like to doobly-doo over to a Discovery queue? Yes, I would. And, of course, I have it up and running because, of course, I do, right? Right. So, let me copy and paste into the proper place. Uh, it's a horror game, but, right, uh, Devour, a co-op survival horror. <laughs> a game where you must, well, not be eaten. Stop a possessed cult leader before she drags you to hell with her. Run, scream, hide, or just don't get caught. Positive reviews. It, I mean, it looks spooky as fuck, right? Yes, it does. Uh, I'm not into this. I'm not about it. No sorry. I do appreciate it, right? I mean, and, I can appreciate it, and, some... And it also looks like some... it's not an asymmetric multiplayer either. And you can play single player. Yeah, I mean, I can appreciate Vor as much as the next kinky guy, mm-hmm. but... Uh, like, putting it in, like, a horror game. No, thank you. I'm not about that. <laughs> I don't, I don't like horror. Um, okay. So my first game doesn't have an English translation, which is sad. Yeah, I usually skip uh, those. What is this? Marchan Forest. Link. This is the story of a young girl and her magical adventure. That's literally the, the tagline on, like, that's it for the description. And it looks like a very cute anime girl, and she's got fox ears. Or maybe bunny ears. That, that, maybe that that's two different girls. Game, which, it's so cute. Which, which makes me very apprehensive of it. Because when they're this cute... It... What kind of a game is this? Um, RP- 3D adventure RPG. According yeah, I was to just double-checking to make sure this, this is not some... A very filthy porn game after the... Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it totally could be a, a very filthy porn game. But no, it's it, like, oh no, actually, it's a 9,000-year-old spirit lady. Who has cat ears. Yeah, very cute. Yeah, it looks like it's... I'm all about it. A, a, a pretty nice-looking game overall. Uh, not a lot of reviews on it, so... And it is part of a... Uh... Trilogy? There's two games out, at least right now. Or, or is this a legacy version? No, it says legacy version, so it's just the same game, and it's just... Right? Yeah. It's very cute, though. It's it's $35, perhaps too rich for my blood, but it's it's gonna be one for later when it's on sale. Okay, well, I got one that has your son's name all over it. Okay. King Arthur Knight's Tale. Nice. A hybrid turn-based tactical game in traditional character-centric RPG, according to the taglines. So, a modern retelling of the classic Arthurian mythology story filled with uh, dark fantasy tropes and a twist on the traditional tales of chivalry. So, very interesting. So, essentially, dark chivalry or dark uh, fantasy uh, take on uh, King Arthur. It's early access and 35 bucks, so it's a bit tough to really want to jump in on this right now but yeah uh, if they do the tactics uh, properly it could be a really really interesting buy yeah i've seen that before i might have talked about it a few weeks ago yeah i know I, it's on your I wish don't remember list, that doesn't really mean a lot that's true um yeah but yeah dark fantasy uh, king arthur there you go all right 
Indeed. So I got uh, a a AGOS, which I guess is an acronym for a game of space. Uh, interesting title there, but it looks like this is a uh, exp. Realistic physics, like, uses realistic physics for space exploration. Um, and it's uh, exploring and surviving perhaps some rogue-like elements. Um, that's not listed as rogue-like, but it's saying explore unique star systems, um, face dangers in space, and survive. But then it says down here in the bottom something about uh, unique experience every time. So... Uh, looks like it's encouraged to play in VR, but is not VR required. So it, it looks cool, though. I'm all I'm all about a space game, um, especially one that uses realistic physics. There's not too many of those. I've actually got one that I, I need to play. Uh, that's like a strategy game, but I haven't really played it very much yet. Perhaps by next week. Anyways, carry on. So I got Journey to the Savage Planet, a first-person Metroidvania-esque adventure game. At least uh, part of the trailers uh, go through uh, as first-person, so I'm assuming it's overall first-person shooter. I think I saw this on the Nintendo eShop, and that's why this looks familiar. It's single-player focused with a fairly decent uh, campaign. Nice. I'm actually not sure if it does have multiplayer at all. Let me just double check. No, single player only. So it does ha- have online co-op though. So it has a co-op uh, ability to it. It has kind of this uh, No Man's Sky aesthetic to it. You know, everything's really bright and shiny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, just looking at the trailer, it has some rather impressive movement about it as well. Yeah, you know, a lot of energy whips going through and. Uh, swinging off things, so yeah, could be fun. I'd probably want to play it on uh, PC rather than Switch, but that's just me. Yeah. So, I got one to talk about, but it's a porn game, so no links. Uh, Oh boy. Heavy, heavy metal babes. It is turn-based mech combat with naked anime booby girls. It's like a match made in heaven for me. Oh my god, this looks wonderful. <laughs> oh, yeah, Heavy Metal Babes, a turn-based RPG strategy game featuring classic mechanics infused with steamy H scenes and an engaging action-packed gameplay. Build your team of hot Zen units, command them into battle, and defeat your opponents. And like, yeah, it's it's all exposed for your pleasure on the screenshots, so... Uh, definitely gonna be looking into this. It's free to play, which is oh even boy. better. It's probably filled with microtransactions. Like for sure, it's definitely filled with microtransactions. But I don't care. So you just want your porn game. There you go. Heavy metal babes. All right, carry on. So I got a RPG based on an anime. I'm just double checking that one. <sighs> This looks familiar, but I can't place it. Re-Zero. Starting uh, life in another world, the prophecy of the throne. So, full-priced, or full-triple-A-priced uh, game. Uh, with kind of the idea of you're in an alternate world from our world. Uh, go- essentially, outsider going to a fantasy world from the looks of it. And... 
yeah, anime light novel. I'm not sure how this ties into the actual uh, source material. It looks like it has a pretty lengthy uh, uh, run as well. Right. It looks like uh, it has a visual novel. I'm not sure if that's actually this game. I'm double checking real quick. Uh, actually, no. So this is not the first game based on this property. So there you go, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're a fan of the series, uh, very, uh, yeah, it's pretty uh, simple if you want it or not. It doesn't look like it's a visual novel, though. It looks like it has more of an RPG-esque elements to it with a lot of visual novel uh, cutscenes. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got another one. Uh, Journey to the Savage Planet. Uh, I just talked um, about that. Did you? Did I miss you? Oh, you did. Okay, my bad. All right, moving on then. That's probably when I was looking at my booby porn game, or my booby mech game. Oh, look, Devour, which I know you talked about that already. Well, no, thank you. Ignore that. Oh, okay. All right. Nope. Um, uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition. There you go. I saw the announcement for this today. Um, and I mean, it's, it's fucking Mass Effect. Like, if you don't know what Mass Effect is, like, fair enough. I honestly, I kind of envy you at this point, whatever hole you've been living in. I would like to join you, please. But, um, it's everything. It's Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 with all of the DLC and all of the, like, the special promotional stuff, like, everything that was, like, exclusive to this retailer. It's all included. Um, it's supposed to be releasing May 14th for 60 bucks, And, like, I'm in on that. I will probably play it. Mass Effect is my number one game series of all time. I've said this before. I, I wrote my master's thesis on mass the psychology of Mass Effect. Or, well, the psychology of video games. And Mass Effect was my biggest, most gone-to example. Like, I'm in. So, yeah. Have some of my money, EA. Like, fuck you. But also, take my all my money for this. Okay, well, I've got something weird. Wobble Dogs. This is a sandbox <laughs> pet or uh, pet management slash genetic ma- manipulation game where you raise your own personal hive of mutating dogs, physically stimulated all the way down to their simulated down to their guts. Wobble Dogs is a casual and chill sandbox for all players of all ages who want to care for their very own virtual pets in surprising, unique, and stress-free environments. So essentially, it's a virtual pet that you can cause to mutate. Yep. I mean, it is That's very cute. weird. Uh, it's yeah, early access. Uh, some pretty decent reviews overall. So yeah, there you go, right? <laughs> but there's not a lot of uh, of uh, these pet games these days, is there? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I know there was kind of a, this uh, wild scene about it, uh, I would say around 2000, where there was all these virtual pets coming out and yeah, everybody was all going crazy for them. And this is kind of piggybacking on the whole Tamagotchi scene. So seeing it kind of make a comeback, yeah, uh, and with a twist on it, instead of just you know, caring for a virtual cat, it's nice. Yeah. Uh, so I got one. Uh, one Lonely Outpost. Basically, Stardew Valley, but sci-fi. Yeah, uh, I've seen that popping up, but it wasn't on my discovery queue. Yeah, I mean, basically, I, I've said this on more than one occasion. Like, I'm a sci-fi guy. 
So you take a concept that I like, and then you make it sci-fi, and you've basically sold me a product. And I really enjoy Stardew Valley. It's a lot of fun. It's very relaxing. And uh, you just made it sci-fi. I can have robot cows. And I don't know how that's, like, farming, but I don't care. I want robot cows on, I don't know, Mars or whatever planet this is supposed to be. And you have a, you have an quote-unquote ancient space RV, which makes me think of space balls, and it's because of the way it, it looks. <laughs> And that's also a win in my book. So, yes. So, I got Yakuza 3 Remastered. So, I mean, it's another Yakuza game. And it's actually part of the Remastered Collection that's released pretty recently. That has 3, 4, and 5 on it as well. If you want to continue on the story of of uh, Kairu and him trying desperately not to be in the Yakuza, really. I mean, you definitely have to know what you're getting into with this. And these games are very, uh, very odd. Uh, they're camp... They're, they're, they're more campy and cheesy than Jared. But at, that's but true. At the same time, and also that's saying something. But at the same time, they tell this very dark and gritty and serious story in between all the wackiness. And it is just this beautiful mishmash of things and this is on top of ADD simulator uh, th- this is coming from playing Yakuza 0 mostly of walking around and having something happen while you're on the uh, on, going towards doing whatever objective you were planning on but for the que- for this quest or seeing this collectible pop up uh, finding oh there's there's an arcade here that has all these pl- old playable Sega games while I'll sit here and play these for a bit. Okay, well now a kid outside is uh, crying because they don't uh, have this one stuffed toy that's in a claw machine so that starts this little side quest and uh, triggers this whole cascade of uh, nonsense going on. It's a game that you could really lose yourself in and while most of my experience of Yakuza has been from Yakuza 0 which is the prequel to the mainline story uh, story. It's not exactly unique to the style of game or, or to this uh, series. So it's. Uh, I would say start with Yakuza 0 and work your way through because after you get through 0, you'll be uh, well prepared for 1, which will lead into 2. Then you could get, could get the Remastered Collection at a discount and just you know, kind of go nuts. And it's all an interconnected story with at least one character that continues on. So, yeah, very worthwhile. Yeah. So I got Orange Cast, a sci-fi space action game. Uh, I hope that that's not the title. I hope that that's just a tagline they threw on Steam. Um, It's a third-person shooter. um, Sci-fi third-person shooter that is based on... It's an original story, but that's inspired by, rather... The Expanse series, which it's been a while since I've seen. I mean, I'm sure they exist out there in places, but it's been a while since I've seen a uh, third-person sci-fi shooter that looks even like halfway decent. Um, and I hope the fact that it's inspired by The Expanse means that you know they're sure sci-fi stuff by all means, but that some parts of it are taken extremely realistically, because that's the thing that made The Expanse so good, is it tries to 
take a realistic look at like, okay, what happens if we do have space combat or if we're actually fighting in zero G and things like that, you know, and, and it tries to follow the actual laws of physics. Um, so hopefully this game does that in the places where that it would be beneficial for it to do so. Like don't compromise maybe on the moment to moment gameplay, but make the world feel more, you know, as realistic as possible. But I mean, I, I like this and it's fairly inexpensive. Um, so, fingers crossed. I like the look of it. Okay, well, my final one, and I had to skip quite a few actually just either non-English or just terrible looking games. And I kind of admit this one doesn't look great, but it doesn't look terrible either. And it's had a ton of reviews as well, so, you know, the jury's still out. Uh, Sword of the Necromancer. So, you're trying to help uh, the protagonist save Coco using the powers of a forbidden sword of the necromancer turn your foes into allies and reach into the depths of the necromancer's dungeon so kind of turning on uh, on its head the idea of kind of the roguelite of using a necromancer's sword to turn the procedurally generated uh, uh, enemies into allies I do believe this is a roguelite, at least it, it, it smells like, yeah, roguelite elements. So, yeah, uh, where you can revive your defeated enemies to make them fight alongside you. So, there you go. It's sort of like a dark Pokemon, right? Yep. Uh, slaughter yep. Pikachu and then uh, raise Pikachu's corpse. Local co-op play as well, which is interesting. Uh, it's kind of a shame that it doesn't have online, but... I do understand why they do local for something like this, especially if it's kind of fast-paced. But it all really just comes down to uh, how they balance it. If it's balanced well, that would be a fun game to play. If it's and if they don't shy away from the idea of you can get hugely overpowered as well, because that's kind of the fun of these games as well. Seeing the game in motion, it doesn't look as nice as I would have thought, though. It's, it has this kind of... Oh, it's... It's so odd to try to put into words. It feels like kind of disjointed, like you know, the characters are just kind of in overlay. Yeah. So that might be a bit of a turnoff, uh, if you don't like uh, how it looks graphically. But then they have these cutscenes in the trailer, which kind of has this... Very, a lot higher production value than what the game looks like. Not saying that the game's ugly, it's just, yeah, there's this dissonance between the cutscenes and then that they're showing and then gameplay. It does look like it might be a little sluggish though, at least if the trailer, if the gameplay uh, uh, trailer is anything to go by, so but if you don't want anything that's too over the top there, you know, right? There's that. Yep. And that's my cue done. I didn't get any more. My last one was a Yakuza 3, which, you know, you already had, yeah. so. Yeah, so you ended up with a bunch of mon again. Yep, yep. That's okay. I still got, I mean, technically six. One, two, three, four, five, and then my uh, mech movie game, which I already forgot. Damn it. I was so enamored <laughs> with it, I forgot it. I marked I marked it on my wish list. I'll go find it later. Yeah. I mean, how many free-to-play games do you have on there, right? Not yeah, Not too many. Probably a couple, but I got code for a free-to-play game today. I don't know if that means it's like beta access or what. Iron Conflict, which I think is like a, a War Thunder thing. I don't know. I'm going to check it out probably, but I don't have high hopes for it. Anyways, that's not a Discovery EQ thing. Hey, Rage, why don't you uh 
Hit them with the socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Ridge. You can find me on Twitter, Game with CR, or if you wish to be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist over on the Twitter at JMA4707. Or you can be my friend on Steam by sending a firm request to JArthur4707. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Stonks. <laughs> yes. Stonks. Yes. Because we didn't Stonks. even get into how meme uh, Wall Street bets has become, huh? Oh, uh, I think it's always been. Yeah, meme-y. but it's just, maybe it's just the case of me getting old, but there's a lot of times it's like, is this English? <laughs> I know. At least Anita can try to clue me in because she has to uh, stay uh, hip with the, at least the middle schoolers, right? Yeah, and I have uh, teenage clients that I work with sometimes, and I'm like, hey, I know I'm old. Can you just please, like, mock me and then explain to me what this word means? Okay, old man. Okay, boomer. <laughs> Fucking old man. Well, I sure hope they're not. Yeah, I mean, as long as they're, you know, not underage, it's not my business. Well, whenever you say teenager, I'm assuming, you know, underage. Even though I That's don't, true. Even though Most I don't, of them are. Yeah, right. Yeah. Most of the, the clients that I do have that are teenagers are about 15 or 16. I've got a couple that are 18 or 19. But I, I, I hear you. I, get, I, I got you. I get what you mean. I had one of those today. I hadn't talked to her in a while. She called me a fucking old man. <laughs> which is which is fair. That's the relationship that we have. She's like, what's up, you fucking old man? Well, not untrue, like, hey, right? Not much. You young whippersnapper. Uh, no, you should have went, what? <laughs> Oh, I can't hear you. You talking to me? Are you talking to me? Oh. Uh, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all week. Well, at the rate this show is going, we will. Very true. Carry on. So, uh, if you wish to contact us, once again, VGLpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, and game-related topics, or tweet them to VGLpodcast on the Twitter or vglpodcast.podbean.com which has links to all our stuff including the discord and we wish to thank our patrons for putting up with us you can find out more at patreon.com slash vglpodcast our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod and our uh, discovery key music is doobly doo by the same artist you can find his work over at incomputate.com and as always as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice Bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.